In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Use your lady things to jiggle. Use your man cash to wiggle. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Grab a drink with a crazy straw and suck on it. Anything goes with Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. God, this place, I read everything. There's, there's Stephen Greer uh, working out outside under the sun. There's Dr. Boylan doing a cannonball on a small child's head. That's... Hey, Jeff! Hey, dude, what's up? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? This place is gorgeous, man. What's wrong with you? I know, I know. It's just I feel like I've been sunburned over and over again. I mean, have like... you Have you seen the chicks? Have you seen the chicks? Yeah, but have you talked to the chicks? It's like such a deal breaker. But listen, I, 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 do you even know like what time it is? I feel like I've been here for. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. have a watch on, so. Um, yeah, I don't have a watch either, and I haven't been able to. You know, I don't have a cell phone or anything. Do you have a I'd like to just call home or something? See how everyone's. You know, I I don't. I can't find my watch, and now that you mentioned it, I can't find my cell phone either. Huh. Well, you know, I tried calling out from the hotel room, and they. Just they didn't seem to understand what I was saying. They just kept patching me through to some place on the island here. Yeah, well, that's better than I got. I got that fast, busy signal thing like over and over and over. I don't even have a phone in my room anymore. I told him to take it out. Jeff. Yeah. Do you hear like a weird whispering? Yeah, I think. Huh? Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Where's that coming from? I don't know. Ah, Jeffrey and Jeremy. So good of you to come. Uh, uh, we were just sort of here, dude. Hi, how you doing? Yes, yes. Have you given any more thought to doing the podcast for me? Mm, not no, really, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry. Just sort of why we came here. Okay, very good, very good. Well, you have plenty of time to think it over on the island. Yes. Actually, about that... Uh, I, we, we've had a lot, what seems to be an infinite amount of time to think it over on the island, except that I, I can't really figure it out because I don't uh, don't have a watch. Yes, yes, which is time anyway. We create our own realities. Anyway, won't you share a drink with me, Jeremy Vanny? Yeah, I, I could go for a drink. And Jeffrey Ritzman, would you also share a drink with me? Yeah, sure. Can I get one of those little umbrella things in there? Yeah, with a crazy stride. Yes, and suck on it. Jeff, I don't feel so good. Me either. Is your head spinning? Because everything else is. (laughs) 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 Ouch, ouch, ouch. Jer. Jer. Oh, mom, mom, Wake up. mom, mom. Wake up. Uh, what? Jer. Oh.
Hey, 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 <coughs> easy, easy. <laughs> oh, Jeff, I just spit out a giant cock. How is that even possible? Ew, it's all mucusy. Thank <laughs> oh, God that was a baby. Jeff, where are we? Yeah, that's my question exactly. <laughs> I guess we're not laughing. Um, there seems to be a headphones and a keyboard here, and it looks like a podcasting outfit to me. Yeah, well, the door is locked. That's all right. I mean, we are podcasters. You want to just, I don't know, we can just chat for a while, and then someone will eventually come open the door, come looking for us, right? It's freaking hot in here, though. Well, all right. I mean, don't take off any clothes, because that's gay. But Not a chance, kiddo. Oh, sweet. Well, anyway, I'm just thinking, what are our options here? We either go out, you know, pounding that door till someone looks for us, or we could just, I don't know, talk into the microphone, and um, God, who knows? Maybe this will end up being the last thing we ever do, and at least there will be a record of us having yeah. been here. Yeah, sure, let's do that, then. Well, you seem pretty blasé about this being the last thing that we might ever do. Oh, well, you know. I'm sorry, I'm I'm projecting. Let's just do the show. Let's just do the show. Sure, let's. Okay, three, two, one, and... What are we doing a show about? Uh, how about something we know? Like, uh, um, how about us? Oh, I know me. Like an introductory type of thing. So if security guards come and get us and they've never heard of us and we're dead and laying in a pool of our own feces and vomit in here. Oh, thanks. That's great. Sweltered to death. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to set a visual image for what the newcomers would have in store for them. And then they could hear our voices and wonder what it was like to have been alive and in our bodies. And then if they're really sick, they might skin us and, and wear us like their own bodies. I don't know if... Well, whatever. Let's just see it. See where it goes. Let's do it. Okay. Never mind what I just said. Just ignore everything that I just said. <laughs> You're a sick bastard. Okay. So, Jeff. Yeah. Um, am I going to interview you, and and you interview me, or is that also gay? Uh, I don't think that's gay. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. Let's 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 do that. Go ahead. Ask me something. Did you say ass or ask? <laughs> ask. Oh, okay. Um. So, Jeff. Yeah. You've led kind of a weird life, huh? Uh, I suppose so. Uh, you know, that's one of those questions that you get asked on on a normal show. I don't, you know, if this is going to be our first and last show together, we should probably do like something spectacular, not like mundane okay. crap questions. All right. Because we both have podcasts of our own. Let's not forget. We're not novices here. Yeah. Well, We're not well, novices you're, here. You're not. <laughs> uh, it would have to be something special. Right? You know, it would almost have to be like, I don't know, for me, in my fit of anger over the state of um, uh, paranormal research um, and the, the whole sort of new agey uh, accoutrement that goes with that in terms of uh, moron followers and people claiming to be like Starseed or Time Lords and the such, I would have to do something that would like parody that but kind of keep our street cred at the same time. I mean, it would have to be something monumentally huge and, and really difficult to pull off, but I, I feel like that's the kind of challenge that you and I would be up to if we were to, uh, to take on a podcast. I think that sounds perfect. Mm. But then we'd yeah. 
That's you know, if we were going to yeah. do that. I feel like we've both talked about our experiences ad nauseum, so it's probably not even important anymore. At least psychologically for me, it's not yeah. important to keep telling my stories over and over again. Um, right. So how would we how would we go about getting at what's uh, rich and delicious and real in the subject, if not retreading our own story? Wow. Well, like I said before, what I what I tried to do with uh, with my podcast was to get people to come on the show that wouldn't normally talk about this stuff. And uh, I think you know you've got enough of the uh, the UFO related personalities and the ghost personalities and the Bigfoot personalities out there going on every other show to the point where you know. If we're ever to learn anything about this stuff in any real depth, aren't we going to have to go outside of, you know, the mainstream of paranormal research to learn anything? And I think we would. I think that that would be the way to go. And uh, so, what would a uh, what, what would a physicist say to us about you know the stuff that we've experienced or the stuff that's going on in any number of paranormal fields? That would be the big question for me. That's what I'd like to see. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think if we get locked in this goddamn room again, maybe we should, uh, <laughs> maybe we should try that. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. Or, you know, I'd like to talk to a shrink, <laughs> which, which arguably I should have uh, yeah, done a long, well, long time ago. Save myself some trouble. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, you know. No, I, I would love to know, you know, is it possible, I've been saying, um, with nothing to back me up except the fact that no one's going to ever check this stuff out. So you pretty much just say whatever you want on a radio show, but I, I've been saying um, that there's no such thing as a uh, hallucination that that plays out logically over a lifetime that that uh, mimics an evolving sort of logical relationship with another being. Like there's no such thing as a hallucination like that. There can't be because eventually, like any dream, like anything um, like that, you're gonna come up against something completely illogical or completely um, just nonsensical. And not in a way that you are trying to struggle to find out, but just something stupid. You know, like in a dream, when everything seems kind of normal, but then suddenly, like, the wall comes alive and starts chasing you. I mean, I would think, like, eventually right. something like that would happen if, if you and I were both crazy. Eventually, our chairs would start talking to us. You haven't been chased by a wall lately? I, no, to my knowledge, I've not just been chased by a wall. It's a horrific experience. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think... Um, I think if we were going to do a show, I think we'd have to go from the standpoint that we're past the uh, is it real part uh, and start looking at what does real mean? What does that mean when we say real? And uh, and how does all of that figure into the paranormal in general? Mm-hmm. They, these are the. I mean, I'd rather go a lot deeper. I'd rather. I'd rather, you know not saying I want to steer away from the paranormal community and, and the people in it, but rather like to try to bring something new into it rather than, you know, having the same guests over and over. And, uh, and for that matter, matter, even pulling in the, uh, uh, the fakes and the charlatans and the, and the dingbats, uh, just to, you know, just, just to have a go at them. I, I, I'm, I guess after this long and this stuff, uh, I'm I'm done with that. I'm I'm sick of it, really. And uh, you know, I'd rather see something that's going to be a little more thought provoking than 
than that. I, I realize there's a place for that and there's a time for that, but I mean, haven't we all really had enough of the of the crap and isn't it time to start looking elsewhere for answers in a you know, in a field that's not really bringing any answers or new questions or anything like that to us, better off that we go outside and bring it back to it. And I think that'd be a that'd be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and also, so, I, I think uh, like uh, you know, I was listening to the last Paracast, and they basically said for two thousand nine, one of their goals this would be Dave Biedney and Gene Steinberg is to is to do that is to take that take on that mantle of uh, sort of. Not necessarily policing the field, but um, of taking out the trash. Yeah. And so, to me, it's like I think you know I applaud that. I think that's much needed. Yeah. But I don't think that there needs to be more than one show doing that. In fact, probably, mm-hmm. arguably, there can't be more than one show doing that, or else everyone will fucking give up and stop going on shows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. So, yeah. You know, kudos to them for doing that. I, I just you know I think that we can't afford to do that. Um, now that being said, if somebody comes on here and is complete, you know, utter lunatic or hoaxer or whatever, you know, we're not right. going to just sit here and and let that play out and yes them, you know. No, no, absolutely we'll not. We'll take them down. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like I say, it's it's just uh, I, I'd rather get deeper than the average show goes into it. I mean, it's you know, it's fine to. To kind of you know skate over top the surface of paranormal research or UFO research or what have you, that's all great, you know. But uh, I'd rather focus on you know per show like one thing that kind of hones things down to a razor point or as close as we can get to that, and and see where that takes us in the in the grand scheme of everything. And and I think more than anything with this show, what I'd like to do is to try to look at all the paranormal activity that goes on in the world, whether whatever particular little corner it might fit into and and start looking at the things that connect all paranormal instances if there are any uh and i tend to think that there are uh you know similarities between ghost phenomenon alien phenomenon so on and so forth so i would really like to see what the connective tissues are and then maybe go to uh you know uh, a physicist or uh, or write down, or should I say, write over to a ghost hunter or a ufologist and say, you know, how does this jibe with what your what your uh, reports are showing? So, you know, I think there's long been this, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's long been this separation in, uh, like, take for instance, ufology and ghost research that uh, what I've heard and what I have witnessed by some uh, ghost hunting people is that they're not real keen on the whole UFO thing and vice versa. And I think that that's unfortunate because I think if the two got together and were able to share stuff openly, I think you would find uh, some really interesting high strangeness stuff in both cases. So I think that ought to be one thing that we really try to hone in on is what is the connective tissue between all of this as we perceive all of these different phenomena that people say they see uh, and experience. So uh, I'm a little past, you know, is it real? Is it not real? I'm I'm not out to prove that to anybody. I think that both both of us have had enough significant experiences that we don't really need any more convincing. And I think that we've uh, uh, essentially bled out everything that we can talk about um, or, or that there is to talk about or about our own experiences. Uh, as they're evolving, of course, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if... if uh, <laughs> 
if you get uh, dragged out of your room tonight, I'm quite sure the next show we'll be talking about that. But um, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't happen with any frequency for me. Uh, so you know, I'd just be uh, content to to start looking at other people's experiences and and uh, digging into them a lot deeper than what the average show would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll have little panel discussions and things like that. Maybe, you know, if, God, if we could get, um, like, an, an experiencer and a shrink, experiencer, a shrink, and a physicist all at the same time, I mean, this would all be yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it would be really, really interesting to get into. Um, but for you even to be doing something like this, you, um, well, do you just want to talk a little bit maybe about how your feelings have evolved over the years and then I'll I'll give where you know just sort of where you were when you started off with these experiences Ugh. in your life and where you are now and I'll sort of do the same. Uh well I mean if if anybody hasn't heard, you know, my my stuff started around 5 years old. Um and for the longest time uh I didn't connect any of that in my in my later years when I started reading about the UFO phenomena, I didn't really connect myself to it in any great fashion. Uh, besides a couple of sightings that I had had as a, as a young man uh, and a kid. Uh, but I had some pretty intense stuff uh, as a child. And I think I've detailed those enough. I'm not going to go super into those. If you want to hear those, just go over to Paracast.com and listen to the ones I've, the interviews I've done with uh, Gene and Dave. But I think that uh, once I realized that that... This was the weird things that I'd seen when I was a kid, and this is, this is what this is. You know, I, I'm seeing all these similarities to other people talking, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, what is that all about? And I think that the one thing that I noticed right off the bat was that there was a, um, and I call it almost a psychedelic element about all of this, and I don't know if that's the right word or not, but the, the, the bizarreness of it or the... Um, uh, just the the weird part of it that a lot of people don't talk about. That became kind of my fixation early on uh, as to what is all the weirdness about. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, I think way back then I had heard Carl Sagan talk about, you know, if we ever met visitors from elsewhere in our galaxy or outside our galaxy or wherever, um, that they would have evolved completely independent of us and therefore... Uh, would have no cultural, uh, there would be no no effects of Earth upon them. So they would have evolved completely independent of us, and that would, meeting them would be essentially a very bizarre and strange experience. So I guess I started out thinking, you know, uh, ETH, extraterrestrial hypothesis, and saying they probably are from another planet. And uh, I stuck with that for a good while, and then the... Uh, read some valet books and I thought, well, you know, that's uh, <laughs> that's a little more in depth looking at it from the standpoint of interdimensional or uh, something like that. So they're a lot closer to us, but they're further away. Um, uh, and I guess I, I, I held on to that for a little while. And again, excuse me, it didn't really make sense as to the the overarching weirdness part just didn't seem to, to jive into all that. I still am at a point where I, I'm not exactly sure what that is. But, uh, uh, and, you know, I started doing the image analysis work for, for the field and, uh, and, and got, I guess, uh, 
fairly recognized for that early on, and and I still do that today. But uh, uh, started a couple of uh, experiencer support groups. Uh, one of which Dr. Bruce Maccabee used to come to uh, fairly often, and those were pretty productive. And I got to talk to other experiencers that had had things pretty similar to mine, not exact, but uh, uh, I discussed with them the, the the high strangeness aspect of all this and how that didn't seem to get really talked about very much within abduction research, and I wondered why. Uh, you know, slowly found out over the years that this is something that most um, Hopkins and Jacobs don't really want to fit into their book because it doesn't fit their overall scheme as to what they think is going on. They don't know how to account for that. Uh, and I became really incensed about that and said, you know, this is this. We're not getting the whole story, so therefore the whole, you know, the the whole subject in the public eye is that they're little space doctors here studying our reproductive organs and <laughs> and our, uh, uh, our our ability to procreate and uh, now it's it's all about this alien hybrid type program and to me all of that seemed you know just a, a culture bound pedestrian view of what the alien uh, might represent and I didn't see that as being uh, uh, very valid I see a lot of that as screen memories based off of regression hypnotherapy and what have you also it's like you know how many years does it take to do that I mean we can already just you know <laughs> yeah have freezers full of sperm and ova and create babies in test tubes you know uh, well me these million year old advanced uh, aliens can't figure this out in about five seconds well I, and I think I think that the the thing that somebody like maybe Stan Friedman would say to you would be like, well, you know, these things change and goals change and, and evolve over time. And they're, they're uh, you know, if they're studying a species, they're probably finding out, you know, why or uh, uh, they, they, they could be doing anything. I mean, there's there's any excuse for that kind of uh, of question. You know, why is it taking so long? I think the bigger question is, is that, you know, if you've got a, a culture out uh uh, you know, so many light years away from Earth, and they're traveling here, and um, uh, so they've conquered they, they've they've conquered the distance aspect and the propulsion and and staying alive and all of that kind of thing from the great distance. And you consider all these things that people say that they see in an abduction experience, which is them walking through walls or uh, uh, pulling objects, uh, doing all sorts of uh, really amazing things with light. Um, uh, you know, understanding our reproductive capacity and our <laughs> and our culture, for that matter, would be like no problem. Uh, so that's like where I draw the line with that, and I go, "That's just it's absurd uh, to think that that's what this is all about." When you've got all of these aspects that the public has never even heard of, that's where I have the problem with all this, and this is where I really get pissed off. At uh, you know, at people coming to me asking me about uh, you know hybrid breeding programs and all this really pedestrian again, really culture based stuff that you know my opinion has always been is that the uh, the alien is way more alien than than what people recognize. They see him as these little doctors coming from another planet to diddle with us, and it in fact they're. Uh, uh, they're so alien that uh, it's it's just mind blowing. Mind blowing. You can't get your head around how weird this experience really is. And uh, 
so anyway, I, I mean, over the years, I had collected a, a pretty good number of reports, and I'd uh, done some field research stuff, and uh, and all of that was really interesting. But I found that a lot of what I was looking at was the finer points of the case, where I thought I would find some kind of answer, and I really didn't find any answer. I found uh, uh, that I was bogged down in these finer points that really weren't doing anything for me. So I started looking more along the lines of, well, how does this affect an individual? And uh, how, how does their perception change after the experience starts happening? Or if it's a one-off, how did it affect them in the long run? And um, what I found was that uh, in going back and calling all the people I'd talked to over the course of many years was that uh, Decidedly, the effect was not good. Uh, a lot of them had had basically uh, abandoned any sense of spirituality that they had because, if, just to give you a for instance, you know, if you're a Christian and you have an abduction experience and you become uh, obsessed or at least greatly interested in what happened to you and you start digging around, you're sooner or later going to come across the story of. Uh, that the aliens seated us here, that there is no God, that there was no evolution that wasn't touched by alien hands. So we're just a big zoo experiment. And uh, and I guess to, to an experiencer out there who really doesn't uh, talk outwardly about uh, about this, like go on podcasts or write or, or go to message boards, uh, I guess that seems like a pretty plausible answer. And then, therefore they grab onto that because they desire an answer. Uh, the problem is, is that a lot of these answers end up being damaging to people. Uh, and when I look at the, at the broad scope of the people, and I mean, I spoke to everybody from, you know, Mon Pa down in the trailer park to, uh, you know, uh, Joe Q. Public Lawyer, uh, one end of the cultural spectrum to the other, one class to another, uh, uh, the effect was decidedly not good. A lot of divorces, a lot of, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, institutionalized for mental issues, um, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, all of which seemed to start when they had their experience. Uh, the deep-seated obsession to try and grab the brass ring of what is the answer, and I'm going to find out, and I'm going to make it my life's work, which then disrupts the family unit, which disrupts the job, which loses you the job. <laughs> so I'm saying to myself, you know, this looks like a pretty toxic type of interaction that's going on here. And if I didn't know better as to what this looked like, I'd say it looked demonic. And at that point, I said, well, how do you how do you voice that to the UFO community, which decidedly does not like to hear those kind of spiritualistic answers to anything? Uh, but then again, I'm looking at things that are telling me this is a decidedly toxic <laughs> uh, interest for people, and it, it doesn't have a real great long-term effect on people. Uh, and I have to say, myself included, uh, I became very obsessed with this, and it really—I'll uh, uh, save you the gory details—but it really kind of just about tore my life apart uh, because I became so fueled for why me, 
what's going on, who are they, what are they, and what is this all about, that uh, it, it basically occupied my ever, you know, my, my ever waking thought. So I understand where these people are coming from, but, but again, it's, it's, it seems like it is deliberately obsessive, deliberately deceptive, and is continually dangling the carrot in front of you. So uh, there were other, I guess, more direct uh, weird things that seemed to point to something inherently evil, whatever that means. Uh, toxic to us is another word that I used was toxic. And uh, so I had a, a lecture to give in Washington, D.C. about uh, uh, two weeks after I came to this sort of epiphany about this whole thing. And uh, I had a, a couple, uh, a friend of my wife's eyes that came over, it was another couple, and we were talking about this. And they knew about my experiences. I had shared all that with them. And actually, the man uh, had been with me for, for a really significant sighting uh, that took place during the, the Hale-Bopp uh, comet uh, when that was you know, flying around. Huh? Who did you say was with you? Uh, it was a friend of mine. It was the guy that actually came oh, over that okay. night that that um, uh, that that we were discussing this whole, you know, this lecture thing. Like, do I go to the lecture and say, I think this is a, a toxic interest. I think that this is a potentially demonic. Uh, and 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 I wasn't I wasn't stupid. I knew that if I came out with something like that at this conference. Uh, Either people would respond well to it, or it would be the exact opposite, and I'd be completely ignored, booed off the stage, what have you. And um, uh, so, you know, I related this to this couple, and, and they didn't really have any answer for me either, because it's a tough call. Uh, and I became really torn about it. So after they left, my wife and I went to bed, and at some point during the night, um, something happened. And we woke up the next morning to see a symbol that was drawn on our bedroom mirror, on our chest of drawers. We had two big mirrors, and one of them had a symbol on it, uh, which I've never shown publicly. Uh, probably won't, as I, I hold pretty tight to it, uh, in case it would ever show up anywhere else. Um, uh, I copyrighted it. I, I put it in a sealed envelope and had it stamped at the post office so that I say, you know, there it is. I've got it on this date. Uh, I have never seen it come up uh, as of yet, but I did uh, some weeks earlier went to a lecture uh, weeks, I should say weeks, it was months earlier uh, if not maybe a year earlier had gone to a lecture at a MUFON uh, gathering that uh, was by a man named Mario, Dr. Mario Pazaglini, I hope I'm saying his name right but he was a professor I believe at Delaware University and he had written a book about any and every symbol ever seen by an experiencer, uh, which included ancient uh, alphabets and uh, all sorts of, uh, it was called cryptic writings, and it was just a self-published little thing. <clears throat> and I looked through it immediately because I did buy it at the, uh, at, at the meeting. He was uh, selling copies of it, so I got one. And um, I didn't see anything in there that, that reminded me of this, so I called him up told him what had happened and uh, uh, didn't give him any inkling as to what was going on in my life at the time. I just said, you know, this, this showed up spontaneously on our mirror. I have no idea what it is. 
was wondering if you'd mind taking a look at it. How did it show up on your mirror? Uh, it was it was it was weird. It was drawn. I originally had thought it was scraped scraped into the mirror, but it turned out that it looked like it was made of some kind of waxy substance. It was white, huh. and um, uh, it wasn't just that it was there. It was you you could actually see the strokes and and how whoever drew this drew this and. Uh, I, I mean, I could say as an artist that to be able to draw this thing in the method that it was, uh, I think a, a person would have a very hard time doing it because it was a certain geometry to it uh, and a certain precision to it that I don't think um, I don't think a lot of people would do, especially considering how far back this mirror was on a bureau. Uh, to be able to reach it and do this with your arm and keep it steady and be able to do it with the precision that it was done, I thought was unusual in and of itself. But uh, uh, what what Mario told me was that um, I, I basically I, I drew it down, I faxed it to him, and he said, "Well, it seems to be very similar to angelic writing, and uh, in the way that this symbol is configured, it it kind of conveys urgency to me. Uh, in that it's not a group of symbols; it's one symbol with lots of symbols making it up." Uh, and I said, "Well." What, what's the translation? What does it mean? And he said, well, there isn't really a literal translation. I can give you the gist of what it means. Uh, the gist of what it means is it's a challenge. He says, presumably to you. Uh, he, he did know I was an experiencer, so I, I do have to say that. But he said, presumably to you, it, uh, it, it essentially says, now you know, do you have the courage to stand up for what you believe? So consequently, uh, he asked me, <laughs> "Does that have any meaning for you? Does that does that ring true to anything that's going on for you right now?" I was like, "Well, well, yeah." Uh, so I went to DC and I gave the lecture that I was thinking about doing, and and it was surprisingly well received. Uh, and I think because I, I, uh, I put it forth as I don't know what demonic means. I just know uh, the description that that someone would give would be uh, disruptive, tormentive, uh, obsessive, uh, debilitating, toxic. These are all, you know, not good descriptions uh, for, for something that's supposed to be good and healthy. And uh, I, I just went forth and I, I, I told this group, of uh, which only two people out of very, it was a packed house, so... Uh, uh, two people were, were all that walked out of it saying that it was nonsense, but the rest of them uh, uh, stood around and listened. And uh, uh, after it was over, Dick Hall, who was at the, the lecture, he came up and, uh, and he said, I just wanted to congratulate you on your talk. And kind of got this, uh, I kind of got this feeling like he knew exactly what I was talking about, that the, the, everything I described, the high strangeness, the, the toxic relationship or seemingly toxic relationship that this brings on, uh, he knew about it. I just got that feeling. He didn't say it directly. But uh, so that was kind of reaffirming to me that, you know, other people knew this as well. Uh, so the question is, why aren't they saying it? Um, but then sometime later, uh, I started to hear different stories, and, and namely uh, Dorothy Izot, uh in her Capturing the Light DVD that uh, 
was produced by Frank Longo. He um, he interviewed her, and during the interview, she said something to the effect of uh, her experiences starting out very benignly, and it wasn't until she was talking to someone in her parish at the church about her experiences, and and her pastor, I think, said to her, "You know, this is all of the devil. What you're what you're dealing with." And she couldn't believe that because they had been so benign and, and uh, uh, non-threatening and non-fearful experiences. At that point, she began to question herself. Uh, you know, am I being fooled by this? Are they evil? You know, am I just uh, being played a fool here? And when she had those suspicious thoughts or she had that fear of them, all of a sudden the, the experience for her changed. They became fearful. They became horrible, demonic uh, things. So, going off again, if anybody's ever heard me speak before about this stuff, it's like they're, they're familiar with the more you give, the more you get, the more attention you pay to this subject, the more direct experience you seem to get ultimately. Um, which is why an experiencer who wants so desperately for this to stop uh, can't seem to get out of it because they're always focused on, I want it to stop, I'm terrified of these things, so therefore they're just bringing more of it on. Um, uh, I th- I'd say I'm pretty rock solid in my belief that that we have a lot to do with how they get here. I think it's it, it has a lot to do with uh, uh, your intent and your, your willingness and your questioning uh, the phenomena as to it will provide you answers, and it may start out very benignly, um, and it may turn into something extraordinarily fearful uh, down the line. But what I wonder about these days is, based on Dorothy Izot's uh, uh, statement, is my own experiences being extremely fearful and, uh, and terrifying, was that a product of my fear? Are they reflecting back at me what I'm shooting at them, which is fear, terror, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, evil, they're evil, uh, you know, they're, they're going to kill me. Is all of that part and parcel to how they appear to us uh, and how we perceive them? It's, you know, uh, whatever we think they're going to be or however we think they're going to act is how they're acting. Um, and I, and I have to admit that the one thing that's, that's occurred to me over the years is that any time I've, I've had an experience where I'm looking at them, uh, or I catch the first glimpse of, of seeing something, uh, I immediately get panicked and I've always had this, uh, I've always had this kind of feeling like the, that that they're that they're saying no 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 just calm down just don't don't give into that just be calm you know uh, <laughs> kind of like that shh, 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 no 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 you know and you have to wonder if they're not trying to uh, help me deal with the fears so that I can perceive them more accurately uh, I wonder about that. So I don't know that I hold the whole demonic theory valid anymore either. I, I, I hold 
that they are or that they experience can be extraordinarily toxic. And I don't know that that'll ever change. But the question is, is that our fault or their fault? Um, you know, what, what is making it obsessive? What is making it toxic? And I think that these, you know, these days, the way I look at it is that so much of this is, is a subjective uh, perception of what we're seeing are, I mean, we've all seen the image of the gray alien. I mean, is that really what they look like? I don't think so. Uh, I think that's a lot of cultural conditioning that sees that. I've got to ask so, you one pedestrian question here, which is: Okay, yeah. Did you ever have that wax analyzed from your mirror? No, no. I wouldn't let anybody even touch it. I took it to the lecture in D.C., to which I promptly covered it in cellophane. Uh, my uh, research partner took a sample of it, and. Um, uh, I don't remember if he ever had it analyzed or not, but I just got rid of it when I moved here recently. And I had to get rid of it because it had black mold on it from being in storage. Uh, so there was no no way to wipe it off and do anything with it. But it looked like paraffin, Jeremy. It didn't look like anything exotic. Um, uh, it looked very much like a wax. Um, but there were no, we didn't have any candles in the bedroom or anything like that. Uh, I questioned my wife, like, ridiculously about it. You know, did you do this? Did you not, you know, what's the story with this? And she, I believe her, she did not do it. Um, uh, the couple that had come over the night before, I actually thought, you know, did they sneak in here and do something weird like this? Uh, but Lisa reminded me that our bedroom was a disaster and we had locked the door. <laughs> so um, no one had been in there. Uh, I didn't do it. Lisa didn't do it. So where'd it come from? Uh, my son couldn't have done it because he couldn't even reach that high at that age. Um, so, no, I didn't have it analyzed. I was really ridiculously protective of it for the simple fact that out of all those years, since five years old, that's the only tangible thing I ever got. That's the only thing that, 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 that I ever got left with. And I know it didn't mean anything to anyone um, because anybody could look at it and go, well, you could have done that. Well, yeah, I could have, but I didn't. That's the point. So it became really important to me. Um, no, I never, I, in fact, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that it even ever crossed my mind. I just, uh, I assumed it was some sort of wax, um, uh, which, you know, if something came in that night and, uh, and there was a candle, I'm sure somewhere in the house, that that could have been what was used. I don't know. Uh, uh, I think I think my research partner took uh, uh, an exacto knife and just along one of the edges there was like a little bit of a like a buildup uh, area that he took a little scraping of, and um, I don't know what he ever did with that. I really that's been so many years ago. I couldn't tell you if we. If he ever took it anywhere to get looked at, I, I seem to remember paraffin, so um, that may have been what he found out about it. I honestly don't know. Wax on, uh, wax off. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take a break. <laughs> See, if we were doing a podcast, that would be the kind of crap that we'd have to bump to commercial yeah. with. Yeah. So we don't have to do that, though. No, we don't. <laughs> so, um, you know. I mean, that's the whole thing of, uh, of, of analyzing, you know, stuff that you get is a whole other show because there's a whole, 
there's a whole nother aspect of this stuff that is is also really interesting that uh, that we can talk about sometime. But that's uh, uh, that's about my story. Where I'm at today is just that I I look upon this as a um, as as an external phenomenon. I, I don't think it's us, but I think we have a hand in how we uh, perceive it and how they get here. I think that you uh, you have to question it and you have to desire deeply to see it and to know it. And I think that if someone takes that path and asks those questions that only that individual knows that they have about the subject uh, and, and, and thinks about them a lot and uh, becomes borderline obsessed with it, then I'm pretty confident in saying that that person will see some sort of phenomenon of some kind uh, almost as, as in an answer uh, to their questioning. So what does that mean? What is the mechanism for that? Why do they need us to question uh, what it is? You know, uh, what is it, uh, as you believe, so shall it be? You know, that kind of thing, um, all based around human perception. And, and what are we missing out of all this? Because we've got a chunk of meat in our skull that is telling us it's aliens doesn't mean that's what it is. It's, uh, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about um, the, the Terrence McKenna speech that was on Culture Contact a while back, somebody posted a link to. I mean, the man saw uh, the Adamski you know, saucer over the Amazon, real, uh, big. Uh, but he admits during the lecture that he thinks the Adamski craft photographs are crap and they are a rigged up 1937 Hoover end cap. So what's a rigged up 1937, you know, end cap off a vacuum cleaner doing sailing through the blue skies of the Amazon. And I think that that's a clue. I think that it's essentially saying, look, you know, I'm not what you think I am. I'm giving you this image of something that's clearly bullshit. So what does that mean? You know, it's a clue. Um, where do we go with that? That's, that's the question I want to know at this point is, is, is what are we, what are we looking at? And I think again, Quantum physicists and, and psychologists, they might be able to give us some, you know, some direction with this and how we can look at it, um, you know, past uh, you guys should be in an institution. So, <laughs> so where are you at with it, Jeremy? Ah, me, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, well, my story is sort of twofold, and the first part is, you know, abduction stuff. Um that I sort of became aware of um, in high school from, from about eighth grade to maybe senior year of high school. Um, and so I read everything that I could about this stuff. Um, and I think I really latched on to, well, Strieber definitely, and also uh, Raymond Fowler's books on um, Betty Andreasen. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, in a way, I guess I'm, I'm really glad that I, got Streber <laughs> as sort of the antidote to um, Bud Hopkins, because the one thing that Streber said right off the bat in communion that um, remains important is to perfect the question. And I think, um, you know, the researchers are all about finding the answer, and Streber's thing is, let's perfect the question. We don't even know what the question is yet. And that that always stuck with me, and that's, that's such a... 
a, I think, a better way to approach this subject. Um, because once you think you have the answer, then that's it. Then you become dogmatic about the answer that you've got because that's it. That's that's what it yeah. is. You're an ideologue. You're an yeah. ideologue, and you're talking about the unknown. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the unknown, and so uh, it needs to remain unknown until further notice. <laughs> right. Uh, but right. even back then, even even with all that, I mean, I still thought the extraterrestrial hypothesis made the most sense. You know, ETs are here. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I just I just realized that I don't actually care about that question. I, I find it to be irrelevant where are they from, um, because I think that. Once we, uh, you know, we can already hypothesize breaking down the barriers between life and death or time travel or breaking the speed of light or, you know, traveling the universe via wormhole, things like that um, ah. are all possible. You know, we can all see that within a few lifetimes we'll have maybe figured some of this stuff out. So what would a race of beings who have figured that out look like? You know, where would they be from? I, I feel like saying, where are they from? Are they aliens? Are they from here? Are they from another dimension? That's all... Ah. A localized, that's a question you have when you're a localized species the way we are. Um, huh. It's kind of like saying, what tribe are you from? You know, does that apply right. to us now? What tribe are you from? Well, it does if you're in a tribe. <laughs> but to right. us, it's just kind of like, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Or the Earth. Uh, so I, I feel like it's that same sort of thing. It doesn't matter where they're from. The universe is their playground. Um, right. But then the the other thing that, that sort of happens somewhere along the way in... Um, I guess it was 2000, right? Um, right. Or early 2001 was this um, strange energy thing that started in me that uh, didn't start as a result of um, directly anyway of this you know quote unquote alien stuff, um, but started because I had read some Jiddu Krishnamurti books and just got what he was saying, which is essentially if uh, there is if there's such a thing as truth. And it is beyond the known. <laughs> you know, how do you huh? how do you how do you face the unknown? How do you uh get to truth? Well you have to become the unknown. You have to become truth. Essentially, you have to do away with all of your answers. You have to um just shut up and listen. And and if something's there, it may or may not reveal itself, right? And so because any any direction you pick, you're the director. It's that kind of thing. Anywhere you any huh. direction you pick in life, you're the director. And so um you know, there's the Zen saying, if you see Buddha on the path to enlightenment, kill him, because that's your that's your final illusion. It's it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. I am a Buddhist, so I will see Buddha. I am a Christian, so I will see Jesus. I believe in aliens, oh. so I will see aliens. I mean, this really plays right into what you're saying about these beings. Right. Um, if you really want to see what's there, you have to give all of that up, and you have to give it up for the sake of doing so. Because to even have the motive, I want to give it up so I can know is you directing again. It's your motive. So you have to just do it for no reason at all. I mean, it's the most... It's probably the hardest thing to do because you really have to get it deep down and just really understanding it deep down and going, oh, is the is the catalyst for the what comes next. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. And then the what comes next is, at least in my case, was this very palpable energy welling up through my back... Um, Pretty much so bad that it knocked, uh, slipped a disc <laughs> in my back ah. um, or two, actually one on each side. And um, what does the energy feel like? I mean, everybody says energy, yeah, and you think you immediately think, you know, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. You know? I, and this is the problem is that eventually we run out of words, you know, for and so you're yeah. sort of like, okay, crap, this sounds new age, but it's like, what are you going to do? They happen to steal these words. Um, but energy, as in, uh, my body is moving by someone else's volition. Let's say that okay. you know, like if you are to move your hand, and that takes energy, you know, you you moving your hand. Well, right. now you're not moving it, but your hand's still moving. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I guess that that would be what I'm using the word energy for, whatever whatever the thing is that's right. actually moving my body and isn't me consciously doing it. Right. Something that um, came to the fore. Um, okay. Now, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember feeling, I mean, I was sitting on the couch when this happened, um, and I don't remember if I felt it going up my spine. I remember my head spinning around as if doing an exercise, like, you know, you're cracking tension out of your neck. Yeah. Um, so that happened. I don't remember if I felt this thing charge up my spine or not. I do know that, you know, like I said, it slipped discs on either side. Um, my spine, um, which I didn't pay any attention to for the longest time, figuring it would just go back to normal. And I ultimately ended up in the hospital on morphine, which kids (laughs) don't try this at home. (laughs) Um, but I, I just sort of let it unfold, you know, I mean, on the one hand, like thinking about it, it's completely scary because this shouldn't be happening. You know, this is is some exorcist stuff, you know? Uh, but on the other hand, it feels completely natural, you know? So why am I thinking that way? Because it, it doesn't feel unnatural. It feels like this is what should be happening <laughs> in a weird sort of way. Oh, okay. okay. So I let this unfold and, you know, physically it, it, um, evolved, um, into, I don't know, things that look like yoga, things that look like whirling dervish twirls, things that look like, um, Tai Chi movements, um, all kinds of crazy stuff, um, that my body physically does. And it's not me doing it. And I don't have any background in this stuff. I don't take classes. I don't know any of it. I certainly had no interest in it. I certainly even thought meditation was a dirty word, you know, back then. I just thought, oh, all this new age crap, you know. Um, Right. So, but here it is. Um, Another thing that it does is open up these channels. And I guess, you know, coincidentally, they happen to line up with where chakras are located. So I'm just throwing Uh. that out there. Um, but right. it was interesting to see this play out because, I mean, what happens is my hand, you know, my right hand will actually slap up and down my body in various points. And then I'll go uh-huh. and like Google search those points and see, you know, if they make sense. Uh, uh-huh. sure enough, you know, chakras and all that. But the, the thing that was interesting to see it play out is, um, realizing as this is happening, like, oh my God, yeah, this is where things like tribal paint come from. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like when you see people like with this crazy, you know, lines drawn down going from yeah. their head to their chest and you're like, how, who came up with that? Is that just, you know, what is that? Well, that's actually these, uh, for lack of a better term, energy channels that they're mimicking with paint. And I just know this because I've done it, you know, not with paint, but with, huh. <laughs> yeah, but so it's just like an intuitive knowledge. It's like, oh, that's where that comes from. Um, and so, and so it is with all of these things, whirling dervish twirls, yoga, Tai Chi. I mean, my thinking along was, was that, okay, I get it. When you shut up and you step out of the way, your body has its own natural language that it wants to speak. And some genius, you know, thousands of years ago wrote it down and said, this is yoga. <laughs> you know, do uh. do this and you will achieve enlightenment. Or, uh, you know, take a class and learn this. And you don't have to. You just shut up and your body does it naturally. Um, and so there is no there is no do this to get to enlightenment. The do this, the exercises just happen naturally as a result of 
this whatever this welling of energy whatever right um so that so i felt pretty safe in that you know um okay my turn for a pedestrian question have you ever done any of the moves for say like a uh, a tai chi instructor or anybody who is extensively schooled in martial arts stuff and have they you know, if you have, have they said anything to the effect of, yeah, that's, I recognize that or I recognize that or so on and so forth um, as something that you couldn't have possibly picked up on, you know, a Bruce Lee movie or a, something like that. I mean, is, has anyone ever looked at you doing this and said, yeah, I recognize what that is? Um, no, I, I never have done that. The most I've done, I find this curious, is, you know, I, I did hook up an EEG through Masahiro Kahata, um, and just to see what my brain was doing while I was in this state. And, um, you know, it shows my brain going haywire. Essentially, it shows me in uh, deep sleep while I while <laughs> my eyes are wide awake. People are talking to me and I'm doing this, you know, whatever exercise. Um, but my brain is registering deep sleep. And uh, huh. there's incoherence, which implies to him that, like, apparently meditators... I thought what would happen was I'd hook up to this thing and I would be able to instantaneously go into a transcendental meditative state because um, I thought that's what was going on here. But he said, no, that's not what's happening, that that they have co- complete coherence. Uh, and, you know, if you know anything about the brain, you'll know more about this stuff than I do. Um, but that there was incoherence and that to him implied that I was being fed information from outside. <laughs> Huh. Because essentially, you know, my waking brain is is completely active as I'm in this deep sleep state. Um, right. Yeah, and it's not me doing these movements. I, I don't know. You know, make of that what you will. But so uh-huh. what I was going to say is the interesting thing is I put this online and I have now seen it. If I Google search it, um, people have posted it to these various sort of transcendental um, message boards and things like that. And nobody, you know, nobody's really said anything, you know, just, um, it's just there. So, I mean, somebody cared enough to, to do that, you know, somebody saw enough and and nobody has said, oh, that's crap. Um, right. So, you know, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, yeah, you're right. I should, I should go do that. What I really like to do is pick up, uh, like, like I had said to you, uh, privately, you know, God, if I came to see you, if you had nunchucks or something, I would love to pick up a weapon like that. Um, because in my movie, I use, um, a Tai Chi sword. I just picked up a Tai Chi sword, um, just to see what would happen. And sure enough, this energy seems to know what it's doing with a Tai Chi sword. Uh, but that's not sharp, you know? I would love to take something that I could actually hurt myself with, so that way you'll know if I'm lying. (laughs) Well, I could, I could, I could turn you loose in the bathroom with a a straight razor. That's no problem. Uh, just because everything this thing does seems to have an Eastern flavor. So I figured, ah, nunchucks, that's a good way to knock myself out if this thing doesn't really know uh, what it's I doing. I see what you're saying. Um, but in any event, so uh, somewhere along the way, this stuff evolved into, um, like, psychic awakenings that uh, didn't have a long-term staying power because I, I didn't want to stick with them. Like, for instance, one was having visions with no audio. Another one was having clear audio of just, you know, hearing like conversations, entire roomfuls of conversations with no visual at all. And, you know, for months, these things would play out. And I, I just thought, okay, this thing's just waking up a system in my brain that's been asleep this whole time. Um, but ultimately, I, I want to, you know, like you, I want to the freaking real root of the matter of these things are. So I don't want to, like, stick with it and be like, I'm a psychic. So right. I let it go, you know, I didn't, I didn't 
try to harness that power or anything like that. Um, and then three times, um, this whole thing was punctuated with, um, a, <laughs> a whole other kind of energy that, that was something I can describe as energy, which is that a slit at the base of my spine opens up and it washes in and it feels like, you know, you're sort of floating on this beating, beating energy. It's almost like levitating, um, head to toe oh. with it. Um, and maybe the analogy is if your leg falls asleep right before you get pins and needles and right before it starts to tickle, that sort of right. numbness that's like, you know, sort of alive. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking right. about? Yeah. Sort of pal- yeah. Well, it's like yeah. that, but times a million and, and feels blissful. And the first... That would, that would freak me out so bad I'd think I was having a stroke. Well, the first time it happened, <laughs> it was just completely awesome. I mean, this was after I'd been in the hospital for my back. So it actually felt uh-huh. great. Like I was lying there and I was like, oh my God, I f- don't feel any pain. In fact, I feel complete blissed out. Um, and then it sort of retreated through that supposed opening in the spine and I felt it s- seal itself and I was back to normal. And the huh. second time it happened, you know, a possession type thing happened. And I don't, like I said, you know, I don't, I don't have a freaking belief system for this stuff. I'm just telling you like it is. Uh, something swept in on that energy, which... I could see, I could like physically see, uh, superimposed over my body <laughs> and I could feel its feelings oh. and it just, you know, it felt like it just was happy to be basking in the glow of being alive for the few seconds it had. Um, and it, you know, so there it is. And it looked like some sort of red gargoyleish or whatever demonic looking thing. But I had the sense that it wasn't particularly bright, but that it was, um, oh. immensely powerful and ancient and I don't know what any of that means. I mean, I'm just saying that that's, these were all my that's perceptions at the time. Right. So yeah, I came yeah. in, it went, and then it left, you know, that was it. <laughs> you know, no, and yeah. I didn't get the sense of any ill will. So when I say demon or gargoyle or anything, I mean, I'm not making a judgment call on it as like evil or something like that. Right. Um, and then the third time it opened up, I swept out. My entire sense of self disappeared in um, into nothingness. Nothingness became aware of itself in that self-awareness, essentially the big bang happened and pew, the universe. And then I had the big, um, I am experience where I'm identifying to the macro and the micro. I am the universe. I am all the things in it, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's sort of where the energy thing went. But the, the first time that I thought maybe this is a possessive force was, I remember I was in my bedroom and this energy had me, you know, walking around and and doing little exercises and stuff. And then it stopped and it just sort of, um, you know, I just sort of like hunched down like, uh, you know, I wasn't, I don't know how you would say it, but, you know, just bent, bent over basically. I don't know, like, like on my, uh, bent at the knee, but sitting up, you know, that kind of position as if like in front of a campfire or something. And, uh, And I realized that my hand, my right hand, was um, was gesturing as if I were talking to somebody, as if I were holding a conversation, and just my hand were incidentally gesturing. And huh. I realized that this was happening, and I'm watching this happen, and then I stand up, or the energy stands me up, does a series of bows, um, and then I feel something walk through me. <laughs> You know, like wow. I, I don't even know what else to tell you, but just like out of a bad movie, it was like I felt the chill of something walk through me, and I knew something had walked through me. Uh, 
and that was and that and then that woke me up to wait something something much greater than this is just the body's natural language is happening here. I mean, right? Ultimately, I right. don't know. And there's a lot more to it. You know, yeah, maybe we'll go into it on on other episodes of our show that doesn't exist. <laughs> break the fourth wall. Break the fourth wall. Uh, but I don't know. So. So through that all, um, and then when I had the big I am experience and one other experience that involved, they both involved these beings that we call aliens. So ultimately, um, even though they didn't um, start this little process in me, I know that they are aware of it and know how to manipulate it or use it. Um, so there I am, you know, so now... Hmm. I, yeah. As you know, I mean, my my take on this is that, um, uh, what that that we're, <laughs> you know, I wrote a book called Why I Know Why the Aliens Don't Land, and it's basically that that our sense of self, as I have uh, discovered personally, is really the tip of the iceberg. It's really um, just completely nonsense, and that's the thing that we think is real. <laughs> our sense of self. Yeah, and, is all of and, it. Yeah, you know, and of course, you know, any psychologist will tell you that the unconscious mind really controls you, and the conscious mind is about ten percent of you know anything. <laughs> um, right. So, what would a being look like if it didn't even have that divide between the conscious and the unconscious mind? Um, you know, these things are psychic or telepathic or whatever word you want to use. Uh, what would their technology right. look like? Um, would it respond to subjective? Would it respond to thought? Would it morph? You know, would it morph on command <laughs> of of their own thought? You know, all of these yeah. sorts of things, you know, I, I, I've just been sort of toying with in recent years and thinking about what it means to be a psychic species or what it means to be uh, a hive mind, what it means to be of oneness and not separation. Um, wow. And ultimately, you know, I've been saying I think that what we need to do is is you know, give up the self and become that, Be, you know, if we, if we want to meet them as equals, well, it's us, it's we who have to become the equals. And sometimes people give me crap for that. Um, because how do you know, how do you know they're not evil or, or how do you know you're right? You could be wrong. And to me, well, I've certainly discovered that, that, that we are, you know, at the very least, we are not what we think we are. You know, that's just, Absolutely, uh, yeah. We are, we are well, so I've, much more than, than yeah, even I've, I have discovered. I've got to assume because this thing isn't done with me yet. Well, and so if that's true, yeah, is it gonna hurt for us to evolve? You know what I mean. Even if I'm wrong <laughs> about part two, is it gonna hurt us to figure this shit out? Do we even need aliens for that? Do we need some adversarial aliens or for some giant question mark to press its thumb in our eye for us to? you know, wake up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was, I was going to say that that's, that's one of the big things that I think, I mean, everybody has asked me, you know, well, uh, what do they tell you? And what, you know, what, what have you gotten out of this? What's it done for you? What's it done to you? Um, and, and that's one of the big things is that, I, you know, I've realized now that there, and this is a, a big, a big, uh, epiphany for me, which was, there is way more to, life and reality and existence than than we've been led to believe and uh, and I wholeheartedly believe that and that all came out of this um, there was a whole bunch of little subthematics that seemed to work its way in and says you know what are you afraid of what do you fear 
um, those kind of things. But I think the overall arcing thing was that there's way more to reality than what we are led to believe. And um, that's been kind of a big point for me in all this and the direction that I'm going with it. And it sounds to me like that's that's kind of the... You know the, the the same thing you're getting at is that you know there's 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 more a lot. Well, there's a lot, a lot, lot more lot to us, more. and there's also you know my epiphany about them came when uh, you know in October 2001 when they were standing there in front of me, came into my room, and um, I was scared out of my mind. I mean that that deep soul level terror, you know that, yes. that we talk about, where you know you have a soul and they could eat it if they wanted to, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, the beings that were staying there, there were three of them, and had like a playful smirk, had almost like a, hey, come with us, kind of, you know, just, that was the vibe I was getting from them. Uh-huh. It was complete, almost naivete or something about them. I mean, it was nice. And yet, there I am in this state of absolute stricken terror. Yeah. And so, what is the disconnect there? If they're not doing anything terrifying, other than the fact that, you know, strangers are in my room, um, and I'm that animal terrified then then what's the disconnect so there's got to be something that's that's we've got to reclassify from evil or malevolent or any of that um where this terror is concerned well even unknown i mean unknown is the part you know there's people in your room you don't know who they are and they look pretty weird um you know that that's reason enough to be afraid is just the not knowing what this is all about i mean that's yeah, but the terror is different. Where mine came from. But the terror is is much stronger than that. You know what I mean? Oh, you know it's what a lot. I mean? It's yeah, it's I mean, extraordinarily I mean, visceral. Yeah, you can't, you can't think of a descriptive term for like, oh well, it's you know, you've you've got strangers in your room, you've got criminals in your room. I mean, you know, I've been in life and death situations. I don't know about you, but I have. I've been in a fire. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, I've been molested when I was a kid. Right. I mean, I've been in really scary situations in my life. And right. none of them compare to this. I mean, there's, it's just a completely other, other category of scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that. Yeah, um, you know, mind-numbing terror is not a good enough description for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, I've certainly not come to any uh, way around that myself. I mean, I, I when I started the Second Eclipse website, I said, you know. I think based off of the the whole idea of if I can perceive them differently, if I can think about this differently, if I can gain some innocence towards it rather than classifying it as evil, uh, would it appear differently to me? And I said, you know, I'm going to document this process of becoming less afraid and eventually going out uh, to a place where I know I've seen them uh Several times, and I know that if I went out there and I looked for them, they would be there, um, given enough intent and and enough focus to that to that goal. Um, I think we've kind of come to almost the same place. I think you're a lot more articulate about being able to uh, <laughs> uh, describe your experiences. Mine's just a lot of, <laughs> and uh, and you you're you're a lot more. Uh, uh, you seem a lot more equipped. Uh, to deal with a lot of the fear stuff than than I am. Uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, I mean I know I know that it's still is still somewhat terrifying to you uh, as a whole. But um, you know, as I said, I don't really have much of anything happening anymore uh, because I've kind of been able to 
uh, I don't know, pull back a little bit from the way I used to think about it as opposed to, to now. Uh, I'm not as, uh, I, I don't know, I'm focused on other things. I mean, you know, uh, very seldom do I sit back and question, you know, what they are and, uh, and all, all these the big questions that I personally have. Um, so I, I'm curious for you if, if you notice, and I know I, I, I asked Whitley about this, is it, do you notice the same thing of, uh, the more time that you devote to this and the more deep the conversation, do you see manifestations of anything around you or do you have the, the energy thing more prevalent uh, as, as a reaction to that? Hmm, that's a good question. The energy thing is just an ever-present thing. So that doesn't really go away? No, it's just always there. Oh, okay. Yeah, just sort of waiting to be activated. Um, as far as the aliens go... Well, I will say this. Um, you know, the, the time in 2001 when uh, I had the girl lying next to me... Um, uh-huh. Uh, well, I'm what you might call a late bloomer. I, uh... Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, um... How you say, losing my virginity. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, this lovely young vixen, or perhaps I should say lucky young vixen. Right. Or, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, well, okay, essentially I've always had this fear, um, of... Being in a relationship, you know, what, what do I say to my partner? Do I tell her uh, about this stuff? When? You know, when do I tell her? Um, and because, I, you know, I, I figure, well, it, it might enter their lives, you know? What, what do you do? So I've always sort of had in the back of my mind that when I did lose my virginity, uh, you know, wouldn't it just be my luck that they would show up, that they would just be there? And um, now that didn't happen uh, on the first night, and, and so, you know... By the second night, I was like, "Oh, Jesus! Thank God!" You know that that's that's one obstacle. Oh, I'm over. You know, or I guess two. You could say. Right. Um, <laughs> but then on um, night two, they showed up, and I thought, "Wow, you know, isn't that just like this?" Aren't, you know, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was a joke. Like they were just being dicks. You know. So. <laughs> so let me ask you something. The first night you said they didn't show up, and that's when you were worried about it. The next night you weren't probably real worried about it then, were you? No. So you weren't you, you weren't looking for it. No. So there you go. <laughs> this is what I tell people all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, what do we just have some lady on the message board say? You know, my husband and my child see this stuff all the time, and they can turn it off just by ignoring it. Uh, I never get to see anything, or I don't see nearly as much as they do. And I said, well, you're probably not asking the right questions. And number two, you're looking for it. <laughs> don't look for it. You know, when you least are looking for it, and you've put the, uh, you know, when you've opened the, uh, the, the, you know, when you've banged the tuning fork and the signal's gone out, just ignore it at that point. Just, just, just go on about your daily life, and, uh, and, there, and then you'll have it. So it's like, uh, I, I've seen that. I've seen that weird delay reaction thing happen to myself as well. I mean, that's that's. I think again. I think that's a clue <laughs> to something. Yeah, that that that's a clue. And um, you know, it's funny. All this stuff that we're talking about is essentially 
It's the same mechanism as, um, you know, you take a shower uh, after you've been thinking about something for so long um, that you just can't, you know, you're, you're trying to jog your memory and then you take a shower and then it comes uh-huh. to you, right? Or you pray for something. I mean, what are we talking about here, you know? Right. It's, it's the secret. It's like you put it out into the universe and then you forget about it or mm. you let it go. You unclench and there it is. It'll come to you. Uh, now... It, is that what we're saying here? Right. That, yeah. That this is the mechanism upon which these beings ride? And so, you know, they are all around us. Right. And does it take another uh, different perspective, a perceptual shift to really interact with this y- yeah. properly? Um, and, and when you think about, uh, you know, how silly, like we look at Native Americans as, you know, white Westerners. Um, we've got that mindset of, like, tribes, pff, tribes. But, um, you know, ironically the what what we have been calling the lesser all of these years look at us and are saying aliens oh my god aliens and they go aliens Pfft, what aliens yeah because they have this other relationship with these with these beings because they have a completely i would say enlightened if uh, teokus and ghost horse is to be believed uh perspective that has to do with the oneness of uh all things not just verbally saying i believe in the oneness of all things but right as an actual function of them, that's right. that's where they function from, and so as a result, they have a relationship with these beings. Right, well, yeah, 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 and henceforth, why we always have said that the the Native American peoples know a lot about this phenomena that we probably won't ever know or get. Um, I mean, that's uh, uh, I, again, it the, the culture thing comes in again, the cultural contamination of. You know how many thousands of years on on the the the, the, the white American man. You know that's uh, uh, all this baggage and perception and ingrained uh, uh, thoughts that are probably sculpting this abduction thing out of out of us. You know, as opposed to what's actually going on. Um, so multi level experience again. It's it's a uh, uh, you know the I I read the the the. Black Elk books, and, and they talk about the uh, the star people and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I I couldn't get my head around it because I really uh, I'm, I'm like, how can these people being being well back in the day being a very primitive people and how they reacted to this uh, this phenomena is 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 a c- completely different than anything that you see in in our society. Um, and I think I think it's Again, I think it goes back to that having that innocence of experience, and not the cultural baggage and the, you know, all of that. I think that all that, all that plays into it for me. So right, and in our zeal to demand an answer that makes sense to us, you know, maybe we're completely overlooking uh, some things that are obvious to other people that we ignore. I mean, I mean, that's the other question I got for you: is are you? I mean, I know where I'm at with this 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 part of it, but are you? Uh, are you kind of okay with the aspect that we may never really get an answer of any kind with this? Are you, have you kind of relinquished yourself to that fact that we may never know exactly what's going on? Or do you think that, uh, or, or, or are you just a smug bastard who has all the answers? Well, Jeff, I'm a smug bastard <laughs> who knows all the answers. So that's, no, I am um, actually, uh, no. I understand we don't have all the answers clearly. However, I do not uh, resign myself to the quote-unquote fact that we can't know. Um, I think mm. that the notion that 
that our brains can't comprehend what's going on is a load of crap. Um, for the simple fact that I had that giant I am God experience, God in quotes, yeah. where I did see multiple uh, points of view all at once, and it was coherent huh. and made sense. So I saw myself as me. Um, I saw myself as the macro, you know, universe at large. I saw myself as individual things, the trees, the ocean, the wind, solar wind, sun, all of these things, all of these perceptions right. all at one time, which means that the brain can do that. If the brain can get that, I don't know what the brain can't get. You know, I think it's just a matter of, um, triggering the right mechanisms in our body, um, and activating them. Uh, to be able to fully comprehend what's going on, and I, uh, you know, obviously, if if there were a way to uh, give us a user instruction manual, somebody would have done that by now. So I, I don't think that that's what's what's needed. I don't think that that that's the thing that could ever trigger it. Just logically telling somebody, "Hey, this is what it is." Um, it's an individual process, you know. Uh, but clearly, it exists. Right. I've experienced it. So let's get on it. Well, you're probably further along than I. I can't meditate because I, I I just I can't do it, and I've tried, and I've talked to you about that before. And uh, well, except that you know when I say meditate, uh, for me, I'm not really doing what other people call meditation. You know, I, when people say well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, when people say meditate, they you know talk about concentration or uh, you know doing a Zen cone or something like that. I just let this energy go, and it does its thing. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like. Uh, uh, you know, in reading online a couple of things about meditation, it seems like you're just very easy to to get into that place where a lot of people really want to get into. Yeah. Um, that that uh, that you've kind of reached that almost zenith point with it. That uh, I mean, all I ever get is dizzy. You know, <laughs> I get I get the vertigo thing, and I like you know I feel like the bed's turning upside down, and I like grab the sheets real quick and open my eyes, and I'm like, that's it. That's that's what he's talking about. No, 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 no. Yeah, but um, on the other hand, um, some of the things you say indicate that you you are comprehending this stuff and that you don't need the same process in the same way that I've gone through. Like you talk about the um, opening up the the dark the dark dimension, you know, that you close your eyes or even just uh, have them open in the dark, and the darkness takes on a its own dimensional quality. It's no yeah. longer the normal dark. Well. I have that too, but only as a result of this. Yeah, I mean that's something that really though was was as a kid I could really see um, when I was a kid and I shut my eyes in in the door or in a dark room for that matter, a pitch black dark room where you can't see anything, uh, sensory deprivation. I used to see, um, you know, clouds and uh, uh, forms and shapes that would come out of that blackness that I saw as a void. Whereas now. Uh, I think I'm getting better about it, but these, you know, for the longest time as an adult, when I shut my eyes, I saw nothing. My, my, it seemed like I had blinders on over blinders, and uh, uh, it seemed like in childhood when I shut my eyes, I immediately my eyes focused on the void and and the the depth to that, um, and I remember that. Uh, uh, and, and anybody knows when I say when the spinning square, which was how my experiences started, which was a, a white, small white square that got bigger and bigger in my vision, uh, open eyes, closed eyes or not. Uh, that's how my my very first experiences with these being started. It, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it meant. 
all I know is that uh, you know it would get so big in my vision that I essentially white it out instead of blacking out, and then I'd wake up later um, uh, in, in a very strange situation, which I've talked about before. But I remember uh, not so many years ago, you know, burying my face in a pillow, broad daylight, and I just buried my face in the pillow, and I'm looking at this infinite blackness, and I. Uh, I saw a hint of something spinning in that void. And uh, this is after I laid there for probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, just staring into the blackness of that. Um, so, I mean, what is that all about? I mean, you know, these, these are the kind of things I think maybe a psychologist or a, um, uh, someone who studies the brain could probably tell us, but... It wasn't white. It was just there was an object of something spinning and seeming to get closer. And at that point, it's when I kind of freaked out a little bit. And I lifted my head up, and and um, uh, and and of course, when you open your eyes and you look at light, it's it's gone. But um, uh, but 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 what what Jeremy? What what is that? What is that that depth? What is that? Is that meditating? Is that what that is? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think part of it, um, comes, I, I think we're talking about similar, if not the same states. I mean, I know that I have, um, different things that happen. Well, it depends on what I'm doing. If, if I'm standing and doing a quote unquote standing meditation, this thing will move all around. If I'm sitting or lying down, you know, my arms, hands will move depending on what it wants to do, you know, it might stand me up or something like that. But Generally, it'll keep me in that position, especially sitting, um, keep me sitting, and it'll be a lot of visual stuff. And so sometimes I see the darkness, sometimes that darkness then fills with what looks like um, like stars coming at you, like you know a ship going into a wormhole that you've seen eight million times in a bad sci-fi movie. Um, sometimes it's like big beads of light zipping around at a fast, fast, fast rate. Sometimes it's seeing faces um, just sort of go by, and who knows why. Um, no sound associated with them, just faces, sometimes alien faces. Um, in the beginning, when I was started doing this, I saw a lot of alien faces, and then I saw um, a pyramid. I kept seeing a pyramid every time I closed my eyes um, that had grass around it. So it wasn't like in a desert, it was in a grassy area. Um... All kinds of stuff. Now, you know, is this just from the collective unconscious that, that we uh, tap into, uh, you know, as as the clutter clears out, the more we do this stuff? Um, or are these actual beings, actual places, actual dimensions? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm really the wrong guy to ask because I think I can say in a general sense, yes, this is, um, you can get there from meditation, but in an actual, uh, like, getting down to the minutia of it, honestly have not read uh, meditation books. I mean, I just don't read up on this stuff, so I don't know enough to say yes, specifically. <laughs> I just know that I know that the, the darkness dimension that you're talking about is the same thing that I'm seeing, and when you talk about, um, you know, look between uh, the space between spaces, you know, when you were on Erie Radio saying... Um, to, to do that, to, hey, here's a little test, look at the wall, and um, with some sort of sensory deprivation, you'll start to see 
energies bouncing around in the air, you know, black, white, red, that sort of thing. I mean, that's what I see. I see that all the time now, ever since this energy has been triggered in me. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I, I have to think it's related. I have to think it's actually the same thing that we're talking about. Where it goes from there, uh, I don't know. And, I, you know, I wonder if, if, as individuals, if we don't wake up to this, if there's not some giant calamity that's going to happen you know, um, some sort of giant natural disaster or something. Because if the um, the Native Americans are right, if Teokis and Ghost Horse is right, and, and we are not just Earthlings upon the Earth, but actually Earth itself, if we are the sentient quality of Earth, then what happens if we go awry, if we don't wake up to our full potential? You know, do, are we a cancer of the Earth? Does the Earth uh, get rid of us or get rid of uh, the cancerous part of us? I don't know. Um, I, I just sort of swerved off topic there, but uh. well, I look forward to exploring this and other mysteries on the next in search of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do feel that we, um, you know, we intuit these things. We intuit what we're supposed to be, which is this oneness perspective, and it's, you know that that's so destructive to our sense of self as we are now that we try to build around it. We try to preserve the ego and we try to... And that's what computers are, essentially. It's what the internet is. And this want to uh, to inject our souls, if we have them, uh, into computers and robots to live forever, you know, with all of that knowledge. Trying to gain that God consciousness, as, if you will, um, while remaining ourselves. But I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Or we all get plugged into a machine, into a, a, a virtual reality. Human beings are a disease. <laughs> Thanks, McKenna. I mean, it, it's. It, I mean, all this stuff is uh, is pretty fascinating to look at. So that's what uh, I think. That's the show. I think that's what we're going to do. You know, or what we should do. Or you mean, if there were a show. Know, if we were to do it. If we were to do a show, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not. And I must buy a champagne-colored suit. <laughs> well, those are easy to come by. Believe you me. But you know, as hosts, we don't agree on everything. I do disagree with you on one thing. What's that? The uh, the notion that um, that you believe that all people are having this experience. Uh, I think I th- I think there's the potential that everyone at some point in their life has some sort of not necessarily the abduction thing, but something. Uh, Something akin to the 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 anomaly in 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 the reality that we're currently experiencing. Uh, I think that the anomaly at some point is is touching everyone at some point or another. Whether or not they realize it or not is a t- completely different deal. But I don't think that it is. I think that it is a less rare phenomena than what we think. That's just my outlook on it right now. Uh, so you're saying that all of this is uh, this is the same phenomena: ghosts, Bigfoot, aliens, and all that. I don't know about Bigfoot. I mean, I, I you know whether or not Bigfoot is an objective reality or not is is up for debate as well. I mean, you, you talk to the uh, Native Americans and they'll tell you it's a spiritual. You know, some will say it's a spiritual being of some sort, but uh, you know, ghost, UFOs, that kind of thing, that all would be. I, I contain that all within the quote unquote anomaly. Um, okay, so maybe we don't disagree. Um, so you just basically believe that um, the more people pay attention, 
to whatever they're seeing, the more that will come to them. Yeah, I think those who choose to acknowledge it and to question it and to continue to question it become experiences of more of the anomaly as time goes on. Um, uh, and that's just, the, that's just the way I look at it. I don't necessarily... I used to think that maybe the alien experience in a, in a nutshell... I used to think that that was a lot more prevalent than what we imagined. Um, I'm not so sure anymore because I think, again, it depends upon what your perception of the anomaly will be if you encounter it. So um, I, d- I do kind of put a lot of things together as possibly being the same, uh, the same anomaly, the whatever it is. Uh, if it's an it, if it's a them, if it's a uh, you know, I mean, we, we've had some discussions on ghosts that I, I don't necessarily think what a lot of people do about ghost phenomena, for instance, um, which is why I really want to get a, a ghost uh, uh, authority of some sort on here uh, to talk about that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about the paranormal in general, the anomaly that, that people experience, whether it be ghosts, UFOs, psychic phenomena, whatever. I think at some point or another, everyone comes into contact with that, and they can either acknowledge it or not. Uh, and based upon whether they acknowledge it or not is whether they experience more of the anomaly, if it uncovers more of itself as time goes on for that individual. So, well, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. But uh, um, I, I see way too many correlations between different phenomena that people see. And, uh, and, and of course, the ultimate thing with at least the ghost and the UFO stuff is the ultimate lack of any tangible evidence. <laughs> Of uh, I I just, I think I think the ghost people are a little maybe a, a a bit more lucky than the than the the folks like us in the UFO stuff that are steeped in that where you know we've got uh, all sorts of different things that can be misinterpreted. That's not to say ghost people have an easy job, but because uh, they they have that as well. But I think we've got the added problem of uh, you know people seeing craft that that are experimental aircraft and stuff like that, whereas. You know, there are no experimental ghosts that I know of, uh, or stuff that could be misconstrued as that. There's, there's normally a, uh, a more plausible explanation for ghost phenomena, uh, and when there's not, then you've got a legitimate question. But I think the, I, the government's projecting images into right, my mind, yeah, and man. all that, yeah, holographic projections and all that kind of stuff. But it, when you're talking about the UFO thing, I think we've got a lot more crap to deal with, and we've got a lot more. I, maybe I'm wrong because I'm not in the ghost thing. Uh, I'm not aware of a lot of the community workings and, and what they deal with as far as, you know, do they have a an equivalent of the Meyer case in the ghost stuff? I, I don't know. Um, do you have that viciousness and that uh, infighting in, in the ghost community that you do in the ufology community? I don't know. So... Um, you know, I I just I look upon the the UFO thing as an infinitely more complex uh, thing, but holds so many commonalities with other paranormal venues such as ghosts. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's uh, these are all questions I want to ask of all the different people that we uh, that we might run into with this. So um, we'll just to see what happens. Good. Okay. Okay. Gee, Jeff, we sure have been here a long time doing this fake podcast for people who might rescue us to know who we were. Uh, 
No, it would be really nice if just we could leave. Somebody would just show up. If I could telegraph this a little bit harder. Hey, hold, hold on a minute. The door's open. Look, 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 look. Hey, there goes the rooster. Hey, gentlemen. Ah, oh, so sorry about the door. Uh, yes, we will have that oiled uh, presently. H- have you given any more thought to perhaps doing a podcast? Well, we actually... I guess technically what we just did in there could be considered a podcast. but uh, Sort of. Yeah, but then, no, I mean, we don't want to... I mean, Jeff, you don't want to do that, do you? No, not really. No, I mean, mm-hmm. we're here to vacation and... Uh, actually... You know what would be cool, you know what we would like to do is call home, so maybe if you had access to a... Yes, yes, a call home. I, if you want to reach the outside world, you could try paratopia.net. You could write to them there. Okay, well, that's... Yeah, well, how about, a, how about an email address, because I don't think... Uh, ah, an email address, you know. yes. You could speak to people at paratopiapodcast at gmail.com. Huh, well, that's interesting, because I, I could have sworn we just said we didn't want to do a podcast. Um, that's also not like we can't get to that. You're going to have to bring us the email so that we can't... Oh, of course, we can't of course, even... don't worry about any of that. Here, share a drink with me. Will you, Jeremy Vaney? Um, all right, I like, uh, I like a drink as much as the next guy. Will you share a drink with me, Jeffrey Ritzman? I am freaking parched, so yeah. Yeah, let's have it. Well, then here. Enjoy the crazy straw. Suck on it. Jeff, head spinning. <laughs> Will Jeremy Vaney and Jeffrey Ritzman? ever find their way out of Peritopia? <laughs> or will they join and do a podcast together forever and ever? Or perhaps they'll just milk this plot a third week in a row. It's really none of your business. Just tune in next week and see what happens. 